The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is 93.7 The Ticket. Look at me short. Look at me short. I'm the captain now. Three-time national champion, Vershawn Jackson. Oh, got a bunch all alone is Vershawn Jackson. And Vershawn, he'll get it to the 24-yard line. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here he is, Vershawn Jackson. Ah, yeah. Man, man, I'm sitting here looking at Coach Osborne like, you know what, Coach, give me a play. And he's sitting there taking shots at me, Coach. God, dog. Well, you're a big target. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the truth. For we, have a, we, have a lot of, <laughs> we have a lot of memories <laughs> that are still, uh, still up there. Well, I know, right? Coach Osborne, I, I can only remember Mary Lynn calling me. Coach Osborne wants to see you. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm in I'm in a world of trouble if Coach Osborne wants. If you get that phone call from Maryland, you are in some water. Well, fortunately, we both survived. Yeah, we did. Yes, Coach, recruiting. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me when I look at all the guys, like all the guys that I've, I've interviewed, it seems like you recruited athletes. Is that true? Did you recruit athletes, or did you recruit skill specific players? Well, I I think I think both. Um, we we like to recruit people that uh, had played more than one sport, and one of the things today, you know, kids sometimes are on these select teams. They play sixty, seventy basketball games or seventy baseball games, mm-hmm. and they play one sport, and they start sometimes second, third, fourth grade. And uh, I always felt that. Uh, the more competitive opportunities a young guy was in, the the more he he benefited just simply from being out there on his own and having to compete. And so we kind of like multi-sport athletes, but the 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 specialization wasn't as as current in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s as it is today. Mm-hmm. And uh, to some degree, I I can see some good things about it in that. Uh, Players learn one sport really well, and uh, if they happen, if it happens to be a good fit for them, it's probably a benefit. But there's a lot of guys that specialize in basketball, and they they might have been a better football player, but they never know because they never they never did it, and uh, in other sports as well. So it's uh, I guess you 
you just take what what situation deals you. And um, but I I think that um, of course when when I was growing up, and now I'm sounding like any guy that's 85 years old, <laughs> but you know we played out in the driveway and we played pickup games and we I lived across the street from Hastings College and they give us old helmets and shoulder pads and we get six or seven kids from the neighborhood and we'd play tackle football out on the college grounds and, and that's kind of what you did. And in basketball season, you played basketball. and track, you ran track and baseball. And so you, you played them all. And, uh, and there was more recreational deal. I mean, it wasn't quite as structured. You didn't have uniforms and you didn't have uh, parents in the stands and, and officials. And there were some good things about that. And uh, but I also understand that uh, it's important for parents to care. It's important for parents to be there. And uh, so if if it's sixty baseball games, that's okay too. You you when you guys were identifying talent and you brought it in, so I'll just I'll use myself for instance. I came in as a fullback. How did you say he could? Maybe he could play tight end. Well. Uh, we felt like, Vershawn, you were a pretty good blocker. But you may not have been another Barry Sanders, you know. <laughs> now, I hate to hurt your feelings. <laughs> Bring <laughs> but, it on, coach. <laughs> but, no, you you, uh, you made that switch very well, and you really were very helpful. And uh, having a great blocker out there was as important as having a great pass catcher. And uh, so we just always tried to find – places that people fit better and sometimes they moved not just once they sometimes move two or three times you know a lot of times a guy that started out as a safety ended up as a linebacker or sometimes even moved over to offense and became a receiver Mm -hmm. and you know you think about um, uh, Luke McCaffrey we had him here and uh, he wanted to be a quarterback and probably wasn't the greatest thrower in the world. So he makes transfer. I can't remember where he went first. Uh, Virginia, not it was Louisville, I think. He lasted a week there, mm. and then he ends up down at Rice, and uh, and and now he's become a receiver. And it would have been best if he'd done it here right away, because he really had speed. He had great and. If he's ever going to play in the NFL, it'll have to be as a receiver. Mm-hmm. And uh, but with the transfer portal, there's always a temptation for for kids to think, well, uh, I'm just not being treated right here. These people don't know what they're doing, and so they transfer. And most transfers, I think, end up thinking, you know, I might have been better off at the first place. Mm-hmm. 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 Let me let me jump in here because you just mentioned NFL and. You and I were talking. We were just talking on the break about your time in Washington. Mm-hmm. You're a great assessor of talent, and I would like to ask you to scout young Tom Osborne, the the NFL receiver. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll, well, I'll tell you that story. Um, it was kind of strange because I, you know, I went to Hastings College. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I had uh, <clears throat> scholarship offers at Nebraska in football and basketball and um, the football coach said well if you play football you can't play basketball and the basketball coach said if you play basketball you can't play football and I wanted to play them both and and 
And to be honest with you, the Nebraska wasn't doing all that well in those years. And uh, I'd grown up uh, knowing the coaches over at Hastings, and and so I decided I'd go there. And uh, so I went there. wasn't very high profile football. Played football, basketball, ran track, and uh, and so uh, we played one time down in a bowl game called the Mineral Water Bowl in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. And one of the officials there was a, a guy named John Waldorf. And John Waldorf was the head of officials later in the Big Eight Conference. But his brother was Lynn Waldorf, better known as Pappy Waldorf. And he was the general manager for the 49ers. And apparently in that game, he thought I played well enough and he recommended me to the 49ers. And um, at that time, there were only 12 NFL teams. Today, there's 32. And at that time, there were only 38 players on a team. Now there's 53. And uh, and so I was the in the 19th. I was a 19th round pick. Mm. Today they only have seven rounds. You know, but they had 30 rounds in. So I was yeah. <laughs> I was. I guess I considered myself a high high draft pick at 19th <laughs> round. And they had 33 agents. So we had 100 guys in camp, wow. and all 38 veterans were back. And, uh, you know, the first three rounds, are, they're going to be automatic. They're going to keep those guys. Right. And so uh, the head coach called me in one day, and he said, uh, now, Tom, he said, we know you played quarterback in, in college, but we have uh, Y.A. Tittle here, and Y.A. had been 12-year veteran, all-pro, and we have John Brody, and John Brody had been all-American, was their first-round pick. And he said, we're only going to keep two quarterbacks. But if you think you can beat one of them out, why don't you go ahead and do it? But uh, I knew at that time he was telling me, we got two quarterbacks, and we and it ain't you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, you know, I, I think I maybe could be a receiver. So I went out there, and I survived one day, another day, another day. And uh, at the end, I was still, still around and uh, played on their practice squad. They had five guys. And then, uh, and I started some games in the exhibition season, and so the Redskins. Uh, I started against the Redskins, and they, they apparently liked something about me. They picked me up, so I went back there, and uh, and played two years. And that last year, just to show you how smart they were, they said, "Well, everybody's going to run a mile first practice. Everybody's going to run a mile for time." And uh, and so I pushed myself pretty hard, ran a mile, and then I was kind of tight. And then he said, now we're going to run 40s. Well, you should run 40s the other way around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I run a 40 and pull a hamstring. And, uh, and I knew I was on the bubble, and I knew I couldn't afford to miss, so I kept practicing. And, uh, and then every game they would shoot it with Novocaine. And uh, a muscle relaxer, and I could hardly walk for two or three days, and then I'd limp through practice, and then I'd play. And end up with so much scar tissue in there that every time I started a sprint, it just knotted up, and I figured I couldn't play anymore. And uh, so that's when I came back to Nebraska. And I arrived here at the same time that uh, Bob Devaney uh, came here in January of 62, and that's when I came here. And uh, I was going to go into college administration. But I knew that I was going to miss athletics, and... Uh, 
So I went over to see Bob, and I said, I, I wonder if, if I could be a graduate assistant coach for you. And uh, he said, well, I got all the coaches I need. He said, I don't really need a coach. But he said, I've got some guys over in Sellet Quadrangle. And these guys had been at, had attended Marquette. Marquette dropped football. They were all from Chicago. And they moved in there, and they threw the dorm counselor out. And they were running the show. <laughs> and he said, if you'll move in with those guys, I'll give you free meals on the training table. Big deal, you know. Mm -hmm. so, so I said, okay. So I went over and broke up a few fights and settled things down. And I remember Larry Kramer was one of our offensive linemen, later became an All-American. Right. And he'd thrown a snowball in the dorm. And he'd also taken a newspaper out of the... Uh, out of the vending machine without paying for it. And they were going to throw him out of school. So I had to sit down with the disciplinary council and convince him that Larry wasn't that bad a guy and that maybe we should, should keep him around. And I think Bob thought that was a good thing, that we kept Larry around. So he, he said, well, came spring ball. He said, we'll let you coach. So anyway, that's kind of how it started. And one thing led to another, and I ended up coaching. And didn't really plan to be a coach. So anyway, that's a long story, but uh, that's uh, how I got to be a receiver because I'd always been a quarterback. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Went from one position to, to um, uh, talk about, oh uh, gosh, Tony Velen. Mm -hmm. You know, Tony Velen was, was, was playing very well. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At quarterback, got some injuries. How did y'all know he could he would be able to help us out at safety? Well, Tony was a really good athlete, you know, and he had speed. Uh, probably some quarterbacks wouldn't be good safeties because they can't run, <laughs> but Tony could. Tony was smart, and uh, and I, I, when we recruited Tony, we thought he could be a good quarterback, but he did. He had a dislocated kneecap, and that's uh, mm. a pretty serious injury, and that kind of knocked him out of the competition and. And it uh, turned out well for him because he played in the NFL as a safety and and really played well for us. And Tony's on our teammates' board now and uh, does a lot of good things working with kids. Coach, when you talk about it, just a, a great segue, when we talk about teammates, when did you get involved? What made you start it? And, and where are we at today with teammates? Well, <clears throat> again, you know, I, I, I sometimes don't know how – how long the story needs to be, but uh, I came home from practice one day and Nancy said uh, she'd been watching a segment of 60 Minutes. And uh, on that segment, there was an elderly gentleman named Eugene Lang, and he had made some money. He'd uh, developed some patents, invented some things, and made some money. And he was invited to go back to speak at his uh, middle school graduation. And when he'd gone to school there, had been in the sort of sort of an affluent area, and uh, of course he'd gone to school there 50 years before, and now things had changed. It was now in the inner city, and um, 
and he was kind of shocked at the changes. The school building was different. Demographics are different. And he asked the principal, he said, how many of these kids do you think will go to college? And the principal said, well, I th- if we're lucky, maybe one will go to college. So he uh, he was shocked. And, and when he got up to speak to those kids, he said, if you guys will stay out of trouble and graduate from high school, I'll pay you way to college. And Nancy was kind of impressed by that. And she said, uh, do you think we could do that? And I said, well, Nancy, uh, see, they didn't pay coaches than what they do now. <laughs> I said, I don't know if we can put an elementary school through college, <laughs> but let me see what I can do. So I got up in front of our team one day and I said, how many guys be willing to serve as a mentor to a seventh or eighth grade boy in Lincoln Public Schools? And 22 hands went up. And uh, Will Shields was one of those guys. And Jason Light, who's now the general manager for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was was one of them, and Steve Volan, who's an orthopedic surgeon, and George Chola, who's an attorney in Omaha, had some pretty pretty good guys, and they all raised their hands. And so we paired them up with some kids, and just said, just get together with them once a week, and then once a month we'd get them together and have a speaker and play some basketball and have some pizza, and uh, and then we got a little bit concerned because. At that time, you could drop out of school at age 16. And these kids got to be 15, going on 16. And so I got up in front of them and I said, uh, now if you guys will stay out of trouble and graduate from high school, we'll pay your way to college. And the only problem with that was we didn't have the money. And we didn't know where the money was coming from. But I think a year later, Somebody figured out that when Bob Devaney had been the coach, he'd won 100 games. And when I'd been the coach, we'd won 100 games. And so they had a double 100 celebration, and people donated a bunch of money. And uh, it was 200 some thousand, and that was the money. So so we, we were able to fulfill that promise. And uh, what surprised us when it played out, of those 22, 21 graduated on time. Nice. And they weren't all um, great students. And that really surprises me. One guy that didn't graduate was uh, riding dirt bikes around the country making money. And he graduated a year later. So mm-hmm. he, they all graduated. But the thing that really surprised us was of the 22, 18 graduated and, and went on to college. And we thought maybe four or five would. And uh, so I thought, well, maybe there's something to this. And we expanded the program first here in Lincoln, began to use adults as mentors. And... Um, and uh, then expanded across the state. Now we're in five states, and we're mentoring about 10,000, 11,000 kids. Wow. So it's grown a lot. And uh, so anyway, that's kind of how it started. And uh, it's like a lot of things, maybe like this radio station you did. And, uh, when you started out, you didn't really envision what it would be. And uh, so one thing leads to another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coach, if someone wanted to become a mentor, what who would they – who they contact, what will they do to, to become that mentor? Well, the best thing is just uh, get on the internet, internet, look at teammates.org, and uh, we can walk you through the process. The important thing to realize is that we will match you with somebody that has similar interests, and we'll match you with somebody who wants to be a mentor. Nobody's in teammates who uh, has a principal say, well, you've got to go into teammates, or somebody from the police department says you've got to be a teammate. These are all kids who have volunteered. 
and their parents have agreed, or the parent, and then uh, similar interests, and we train the mentors for about an hour and a half and uh, make sure they're not just out there flying blind. And it's all school-based, so everything's in a school. And uh, we have building coordinators who sign you in and out, find a place for you to meet, and uh, and any any issues you have that are problems, they'll help you. And then if you normally come on Monday at noon uh, and you want to come the next day, they'll, they'll, they'll be very flexible. So, so it's very easy. And most lunch periods is where most of our mentoring occurs. And those lunch periods are only about 35 minutes in length. So you can leave your place of work, go and mentor, and be back probably within an hour. And if you'd rather meet at 10 in the morning in a study hall, or after school, or went, you know, we're very flexible. So we've mentored over 43,000 kids without an incident of any child being harmed. Mm-hmm. And that's primarily because it's school-based, and we do very careful screening of mentors. So that's what we do. We appreciate you, Coach Osborne, because that, you know, John Shuley was my mentor growing up, and uh, mm-hmm. I always look back and I tell him this all the time because he don't have any hair on his head now. And mm-hmm. so he says that, that beca- that's because of me. But I look back on the things that he taught me and, mm-hmm. and what I would be if I hadn't had him in my life. So to all the, mm-hmm. all the teammates mentoring, the, the guys that are mentoring, the, the ladies that are mentoring, shout out to you guys and uh, continue on. And if you want to become a mentor, please go to teammates.org and figure that out, how we can uh, help some of these youth because they are the future. They are the future. Mm-hmm. And they can go to LincolnTeamH.org for local direction as well. Right. Mm-hmm. You bet. Coach, you, you coached 53 All-Americans. You got a favorite? <laughs> Not really. No. <laughs> I, I like them all. Yeah, and, I know. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because people are always asking, well, who was the best player you ever coached? But, you know, positions are so different. I mean, you think of Dave Remington at center and the skills that Dave Remington need, needed compared to a quarterback like Tommy Frazier or Steve uh, Taylor and on and on. It, it's so hard to compare because, and, and, and of course, Johnny Rogers, not as a head coach, but as an assistant. And, uh, Johnny could hurt you so many ways. Yeah. As a punt return, kickoff return, Running the ball from scrimmage, receiving, uh, you know, he was. But uh, all of those skills are so different. But uh, any any guy that played and was awarded All American status or was a high draft pick in the NFL, you know, he had to be a really good player and have and uh, and have a certain degree of tenacity and a certain degree of intelligence, and uh, but always had a, a great competitive spirit. And, and football changed, you know, because when when I first went there, weight weight training was almost unheard of. And then and we started out. Bob had uh, Bob Devaney had some really good years early, and we won four straight Big Eight championships, mm-hmm. beat Oklahoma, and that was unheard of because you know Oklahoma had ruled the the world under Bud Wilkinson. And then we had two years. We went in uh, nineteen. 67 and 1968 we went six and four and that second six and four season we played Oklahoma down there and we got beat uh, 40 
48 to nothing or something mm. like that. And people began to get uh, pretty irritated. You know, they, they'd had some winning seasons. And um, they wanted to get rid of some assistant coaches. And some people even had, a, I think there was a petition in Omaha going around to get rid of Bob Devaney. Wow. And <laughs> so everything was on the table. And uh, I was dressing down in the lower end of the old field house. And Boyd Epley was a pole vaulter. And he was dressing down there. And he kept telling me he thought he could help with the football team with weight training. So I took him in to see Bob Devaney. And uh, Bob was kind of an old school guy. And they always thought if you lifted weights, you'd be muscle bound, couldn't comb your hair. <laughs> and... and uh, and so he was skeptical, but we'd had we'd had that year which things were really shaky. And so finally, I remember he told Boyd. He said, "Okay, Boyd." He said, "We'll give it a shot, but if our players get worse, you're fired." <laughs> and so yeah. Boyd said, "Okay." And the only reason Boyd was available, he, he had gotten into weight training. He'd gotten bigger, and and he kept breaking the poles. You know, <laughs> he weighed 220 pounds. Too big. And <laughs> Frank Savine was a track coach, and those poles were expensive enough that he <laughs> decided he didn't want he didn't want a weightlifter around anymore. So anyway, Boyd and Boyd was a smart guy, and he was very innovative, and he put us kind of out ahead of the curve. Yeah. And uh, he was pro he was the first full time strength coach of any college or university. Wow! And uh, I think he turned out something like about sixty five or seventy assistants who were full-time strength coaches in college or the NFL. I mean, this was kind of the hotbed of, of strength training for a long time. And that really helped us out. But that kind of got us rejuvenated. 69, we went 9-2, and two, beat Georgia in the Sun Bowl. In 70-71, we were undefeated both years and won national championships. And all of a sudden, we were a lot smarter again. You know, people, people were going to fire us. <laughs> But, you know, I was 32 years old with wife and three little kids, and, and I guess uh, I, I began to see uh, what coaching could lead to. You know, it's not, it's, it's not an easy deal. With Coach Osborne, Coach, when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, career wins, 20, 255 wins, 49 losses, three ties. How come you've been so consistent? I'm with Coach Osborne, the captain, the ticket, 93.7. Be right back. <laughs> 